Trip, what's up, bro? Not a whole lot, man. What's up with you? Man, we're here. <laughs> so that's where I can start, man. Um, honestly, so you and I, we've known each other probably maybe two years now, something like that. Yeah, something um, like that. But you have all kind of shit going on, so we were sitting down talking, catching up a couple months ago, and I was like, fuck, man, let's just fucking have a podcast. We can hang out and talk shit and cover all the things that we didn't get to talk about that day, you know, and everything else. Yeah. So uh, before we get into that, let's, let's talk about You brought some tequila, and I appreciate it. So we have some, it's a Reposado Cristalino, and it's me fam, Familia Flores. So you want to drink some of this with me? Yeah. All right, let's do it. Yeah, I was just, uh, you told me the style you liked, and I was like, let me pick out the most badass-looking yeah. bottle that I could find of that. Oh, that smells amazing. It's got the built-in little cap, it looks like, too. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. Oh, hell yeah. So I'm still not. So I have a tequila podcast too, and we do it in here as well. So I'm still not like, not a connoisseur of sorts or, or any type of expert, but I do know what tastes good and what doesn't, right? And I won't sit here and like specify the nodes on this whatever the fuck. But I have come to to like the Cristalino better. Basically, it's a it's an aged tequila, and then they filter it back through like charcoal, whatever methods they use, depending on what brand it is. And so that makes it clear again, you know, cause if you would have like an aged tequila, like a whiskey, it would be Brown, like a Reposado, right. it'll be a light Brown. A Reposado would be light Brown. And then Aho would be a darker Brown. And they run it through like a filtration system to get the color back out of it. So then it looks like a silver again, but it's fucking delicious. Have you ever had one? I haven't. This is my right. first time with well, a, I've had an Anejo, but not the Cristaliano. This, this is going to be good. All right. Man, you just, you took half the shot, didn't you? Shit. I'm just going to sip It's a sipper, man, okay. but it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I can taste that now. Well, see, I'm I'm new to tequila. Yeah. Well, not new to tequila. Um, it just got me really sick one time when I was younger, and so I, Same I here. steered it's, clear for it, a long time. It, me too, and that, that's that's the problem with, like, we had this, but since we're not on a tequila podcast, we can talk about this shit, I feel like it's not new information, right? I mean, it is new, new information. Um, we have this conversation a lot where most people, the reason they don't like tequila is because they only associate it with margaritas or shots, yeah. shots of Patron, shots of 1800. And the problem with it is when you get something like this, now try it again and just sip it yeah, and yeah. tell me the difference because well, it's all good. It's I, cause I gave you like, I gave you like a half ass shot glass and regular glass. Now, well, yeah, you try I, I, it and you sip it. This has like a really, this has like a cinnamon vanilla flavor. It does, and it doesn't remind me of tequila that no. much. Like, if, if you didn't tell me, if we did a blind taste test here, I would have been like, I don't know what I would have guessed. Honestly. You don't know what it was. <laughs> but it wouldn't have been, I don't think it would have been tequila. I'm not fucking lying. This is probably some of the best I've ever tried. I'm not, I'm, this is not, no bullshit. Yeah. This shit is delicious. It really is. I uh, I feel like I have a whole new perspective already. And and just like you said, I, I hate, or like any, uh, Sour mix like that that they put in tequila, it gives me really oh, bad. Oh yeah, I, can't or not, do I mean, uh, and margaritas, yeah, it gives me really bad heartburn. And so, now I will say this: I learned a uh, Paloma. <clears throat> I don't know if you like a Paloma. Oh fuck yeah, with grapefruit but, juice. With grapefruit. Oh yeah, dude, I love it. So like, that's that's the way to go. You get a little bit of grapefruit, a little bit of lime, and you get you. I think they may put some put some simple syrup in there, and then your uh, Tapa Chico. Yeah, and your tequila. Well, and if it was some really shittier tequila, I can imagine. I mean, like, that's kind of what I... The first time I had tequila and it was like, all right, I can do this, it was a Paloma. Yeah. So that's kind of why I brought that to chase it. But this, you really don't need... It just needs to be drank, really. Yeah, you just... It's a sip, man. It's a sip. And, and the thing is, it's like, it's uh, I don't know, man. It's a newfound... I don't know what made me swap... To, I can't even remember now the past... 
So for the longest time growing up, I would drink um, like whiskey. I was never a beer drinker. Even in high school, I drank the whiskey. First off, it was cheaper to get drunker. I get one bottle that lasts me like three or four weekends because I was a lightweight. And that's all I would have to drink, right? And I wouldn't have to chug beers and try to steal beers and, you know, do cake stands and all. You know, do none of that shit. You just have your fucking mixed drink, chill. And then I got a little older and I started drinking the beer a little bit. And then I got into vodka when I started cleaning up my act, like trying to get healthier. Yep. And then take the calories I got, out. I got to where I didn't fucking like vodka anymore, man. I drank it for a good five or six year spread. And then somehow I, don't, I got on tequila. I kind of always liked a good margarita, but it had to be made right. And I guess I just kind of started drinking it by itself. And uh, now I fucking love it, dude. And I can drink it like a good scotch or something, you know. Well, it definitely hits. And I've heard that <clears throat> recovery-wise, they say that it's really uh, superior to other alcohols as far yeah. as if you drink too much. Or, like, when it comes to hangovers, they say your body processes, I guess, the agave type of sugar better. Right. Yeah, apparently, because the, the most are already other, like, especially vodkas, a lot derived from potato. And you have whiskeys derived from corn. I guess it's more of a complex, you know, carb or whatever. So I don't, I don't really know. I don't know how many studies are actually accurate on that, but yes, of course. I think that that's another thing. Recovery is way better on this because I'm tracking recovery with working out all the time, and then I'm having this shit, and I can have two or three drinks after a hard workout and give the next morning. My recovery is still 67%, whereas if I had another kind of drink or got hammered, it would be way worse. So let me ask you about recovery tracking because you know, like I've I've kind of gotten into fitness not as long as you, but I'm you know I've, I'm sticking with it, and right? I, I've been on How long the fence. Been working out now. Uh, like, a over two you years. Say, like, 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 consistently yeah, four, consistent. five, six days a week. Like yeah. two and a half years. Okay. Okay. So, uh, actually, no, that's not right. Consistently, it's just about to be two years. Okay. So basically, February first will be a two solid years. I'm sorry. Um, I started fiddling around with it a little bit before that, but then, but then I, I got serious. But now I'm like on the fence about like tracking like i've been tracking my calories pretty well as far as my macros but like actually tracking that recovery maybe getting a whoop strap or you know like my girlfriend gave me uh, her old fitbit the other day yeah. like like do you, is this something you all right so i did an apple watch for like fucking two years and it was great i thought it was cool but it wasn't accurate because it's just kind of i guess it uses an algorithm based on what information you enter but i got the whoop strap i've been on it now probably almost fucking over a year for sure, because I just got my whole year report from it the other okay. day. I got an email, so I was like, report okay. card. Yeah, pretty much. And it told me how many days I was in low recovery, <laughs> how many days that, you know, mm. and how many days it didn't track, which when the days I let it die, which is not a lot. I try to keep it on. You keep it on 24 fucking 7, but it's waterproof, submersible, all that. But what I've noticed is it's just kept me accountable and honest, like with myself. Like, did you get enough sleep? The biggest thing for me is you work it. How much you work it. Most people don't like people just say, I only need three hours of sleep. That was me for the longest fucking time. But I also didn't have a healthy, consistent lifestyle. I wasn't married. I wasn't in a day to day where, of course, I was always being productive and working during the day and had my nine to five or what, you know, quote, quote, you know. But like, I still wasn't tracking everything. Now, when you get kind of grounded a little bit, then you start looking at stuff like, yeah, I was only getting three or four hours of sleep and I felt great, but. Then I started watching it here, you know, and saying, okay, based on your resting heart rate, how hard you worked out that day, this is the sleep you require. And it just made me more honest with myself. I thought I felt fine because I was like, I only need three or four hours of sleep. I'm good to go. But really, my body was like, fuck you. 
you're only at 37% recovery, get an additional two to three hours, maybe only seven hours of sleep, and you're at 90% recovery. So that's good enough mm-hmm. for me. So that's what it's opened my eyes for. Everybody's different. But for me, six to seven hours of sleep is ideal for me. You know, yeah. whereas for my wife, we're on it together. She needs eight to ten. It's just different, you know. And But our strains, that kind of measures your strain based on – your heart rate variability, you know, how hard you work out. It, it measures, you know, how long your heart rate's elevated versus, you know, how long, it, whatever the resting version is. It kind of creates a formula that way and then kind of spits out a strain saying, this is how much you strain today, and then this is how much recovery you need. Mm, so it, it just keeps you, it gets you really fucking in check, in tune with your with your body, your rest and your cycle stuff. Because the, for the longest time, I would work out every single day. And I was working out different muscle groups and stuff, but I was working overworking myself and not getting enough rest because I was only getting thirty to forty percent recovery every day. So I really was just shooting myself in the fucking foot because my muscles weren't doing what they they didn't need they didn't have the rest or the oxygen they needed. So I'm just literally just beating myself to death for no reason. Yeah, it's crazy. (laughs) No, didn't mean to go on a rant there about it, but yeah, I mean it's like legit. It's there's something to it and kind of being like. Figuring out exactly what your body, every single person's body is different. Like there's, there's no one formula that says, hey, this is what you put in all these, you know, this workout, this time, and this rest, and you're going to get optimal success. No, you got to figure out what your body needs. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing, and it's probably the best thing, but it was an unintended consequence of me starting to work out is just learning my body. Because, yeah. you know, when you first start working out, you know, get with a trainer, start doing this, this, and this. And for me, I was also, I was doing a little bit too much in the beginning and I could handle it, but my body wasn't growing that good at first because I was just overloading it. Yeah. Then once I backed off just a little bit, got a little more specific to, and now, you know, you just got to keep, once you kind of hit that plateau of where you're at, you got to tear everything up again and start over and figure out how to, how to make it, you know, happen all over again. Yeah. So, yeah, but I encourage you, if you want to get one, get one, man. I think it's the next step to – um, and it's not even if you're a working out person. It's just a – I think it, it would work for full-on any – because here's another thing people don't think about. My strain level will be really high on days I don't work out if I overload myself with other mental tasks. Mm. So you'll see it and you'll be like, holy shit, my strain's – an ideal strain every day if you have a really high recovery is between like 12 and 14 is kind of the strain number. My fucking strain one day may be 12, and I hadn't even worked out yet. I'm like, holy shit. And I realized, oh, fuck, I had all these stressors going on. And so that requires, you know, so it's crazy what it does. You know, it really fucking, it tunes it in. So I think even if you're not a quote-unquote active person, that even if you wore it, it would kind of keep you in tune with, are these things, you know, making my heart rate rise and stressing me out, making my body work more so that I need more rest, you know, kind of thing. Well, this is dangerous too because it's, it's really fucking. Yeah, it's, I can tell. It's subtle, man. It is subtle. <laughs> well, part of the part of what got me into really looking into that is the sleep part because, well, when it comes to writing, you know, there's a lot of different philosophies. But if you're going to be good at comedy, you have to write every day. Yeah. Or not, or you have to write a lot. So, you know, and I've I've listened to so many different philosophies, but. Part of me wants to get up at the same time every day and write a certain amount of do a certain amount of writing, and that's fine. It's good to be disciplined, but a lot of my most creative time is more late at night. And like, for instance, like I don't know, two or three nights ago, me and my girlfriend started drinking a lot, and we got half drunk. And I just I had a few ideas spark off, and she went to sleep. Next thing you know, 
you know, she wakes up at like four in the morning and I've just been in there. I've got like 15 pages done out and she's been to sleep for a couple of like three or four hours. And I was in the zone and I had no clue it was 4 a.m. So the next day, like I just slept later. And the good thing about the way my schedule is now is I can, if I stay up late one night, usually afford to just sleep a little bit later. Yeah. But it is like I've been, I guess, curious about that balance. Like, like, like at some point, should I just buckle down and have a schedule and you know I, I don't know with the creative side of things it's just hard sometimes well you, you gotta let know. it flow when it comes right you got, yeah, that, yeah that's got. that's something people don't understand about art you know, anything creative like it and I'm different because like my creativeness comes out in these sessions when we know we're gonna sit down and we'll fine tune it you know we'll we'll mm-hmm. get to rolling then it gets kind of fine tuned as it moves forward and then I do the food thing and I know the food's coming and then I just kind of do it on the spot right so mine's yeah. different whereas your stuff is idea based, so yeah. if an idea hits you, I understand where you just need to capitalize on it right then. Because what if you forget? Yeah, well, I've definitely learned to, like for instance, the other the, the same night that happened, we were out and we were playing pool, and um, for whatever reason, playing pool it gets especially when I'm playing like against somebody that's a good player, and you, all you can kind of focus on is that game. It weirdly helps me come up with good ideas because I'm not thinking about a bunch of different things. I'm just thinking about that game. Yeah. And all of a sudden, something will hit me, and I've gotten good about writing down, like, if I just have a short idea, let me, like, just write a sentence about what it, you know, like, a, a, a summary of it, and then I'll come back to it later. And, and that night, I had, like, four or five different things that were just good ideas, and then when I got home, I just I spent time on each one of them. And I feel like I do want to have a good sleep schedule, but I, I don't feel like I can, like, so when you have that kind of... In that moment, you just got to go until you're done, right? Yeah. Like, no, I mean, no, I get it, yeah. As not- long as you have, like, I feel like if, depending on, like, if you know, well, that's where it comes into play. Like, so if you're working out all week and you're steady hustle because you got a day job, too, you know, doing things, and then you hit the weekend, and that may be when you're going to go out, have a couple drinks, do things, then you don't use those days for working out. use the days for recovery, then, I mean, kind of a balance, right? Yeah. If you're getting a steady sleep schedule all week, and you're, you're going, doing your average drinks, doing things on the weekend, you have some rest, should balance out. I mean, I don't know, man, but that's kind of how I look at it. Yeah. Um, some sort of schedule, I feel like, for me, is great. Like, I will forget every fucking thing if it's not in my calendar. So I've gotten to where I'm having to constantly update that thing, look at that thing, because I'll talk about some stuff with an employee, or with my wife or whatever, and I'm like, just fucking put it on my calendar because I will forget. Just because too much shit coming from different directions. See, I'm not that. I I'm different in that. Like I, I love having a calendar. I guess like if it's something far out, but most of my stuff, like I have to be forced to put it into a calendar just because I'm good at memorizing it. Yeah. But what I have learned is really good for me is to make a list for daily stuff. Like like when I like like if I know tomorrow I've got to get X Y and Z done. I've learned that my mind will like I have an excellent memory. But one of the tricks it plays on me is that whenever I got something I really don't want to do, I might be like avoiding it or whatever, you know, like trying yeah. to like kind of, you know, procrastinating. And then next thing you know, I'm like, man, I didn't remember that. And it wasn't that I couldn't remember it. Like I subconsciously didn't want to remember it. Yeah. So I've started learning to have like, like I don't, I don't worry about a calendar as much for the future, but I do have like a daily task. Like, all right. So, you know, and, and I try to like each day write down what tomorrow's is because it also just, when I have a list, it's a lot easier to like, like. If I know I've got to get five things done, I could probably get those done quicker than anybody. Yeah. But if I don't have them written down, I could take longer than anybody. Yeah. You know? So. That makes sense. That makes sense. I'm the complete opposite, whereas I can remember the day-to-day shit. Like, so, like, if I have, a, like, a, so for instance, if I have, like, a barbecue catering job coming up, 
I'm like, oh, fuck, I need to get X, Y, and Z. Well, at this point now, I don't really want to make a list. It's mentally there, so I'll go get my stuff, order it, whatever I need to do. But if I don't have it on the calendar for next week, I will fucking forget. <laughs> Man, well, it's, it's so fucked sometimes how your mind will, uh, like, it's just, it's funny. I, well, I was talking to a guy the other day about, uh, um, like, having that desire. You know, like, some days you get up and it's like, like, I get upset because... Well, like there has been a time in my life when I didn't really do what I wanted to be doing. You know, I wasn't, good. Oh, I wasn't exactly yeah. where I wanted to be at. So like I'd wake up and I'm like, man, I don't really want to go to this job. I do not want to listen to Bob or whoever, you know, insert whatever guy was above me. Now it's like, all right, you're the boss, but what are you going to do about it? You know what yeah. I'm saying? Are you going to, and, and so some days like I'll just be there and I'll be so, I'll sit, even have pen on paper ready to write or have my computer out and I'm ready to go. But there's just some like force that's like mm, pushing against you, and as soon as I start, it's it kind of starts melting that's, away. I'm, I feel that same shit all the time. There's like things that tell you, I, like I know I need to do this shit, but I I, I haven't given myself the time to sit down and do it yet. And yeah. it's like it's always up, and then it's like a, it'll stockpile on you. And then once you sit down and start doing it, it's fucking it's it's, it's a not that hard. No, it's not that but hard. It's, but it's, it's the like, thinking fuck. about it. Yeah, thinking about it is harder than the actual it doing it, it. Puts it on there. But it's also like it's almost like this weird to me. Like I don't want to get too heady, but like it's almost this weird like uh, reward system that the universe has built in. Where like if you do the things like we were talking about cold plunges earlier, yeah. Like getting up first thing in the morning and walking down, especially like our alleyway, it's like really tight and, you, and it has a good wind draft going through it. So you're going there in your swimming trunks, and I'm like, you know, it is cold, bro. And then you get in that water and it is cold. But when you get out, like. Dude, like my girl's like, damn, you're a man. Like, I, like God, man, like it, 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 it does something to you that like it just makes you feel a little more animalistic. And there's yeah. there's something about when you do things that suck that just make things better. And like yeah. writing doesn't suck, but sometimes getting started does it. And that's what's so weird. Like like when you're trying to do something that's like it's almost like your mind saying like, hey man, we're good. Like we're we got food. You know, we're you can just sit in bed. Like you got Netflix. You got all these little yeah. things. You know, your girlfriend will be home in seven hours, you know. Why do you, you don't have to do anything. Yeah. And, but as soon as you do, it's just like you get that reward of like. Well, no, I, I fucking agree. Like, it's the, we make shit hard when it doesn't have to be. But then also, there's a lot of people that will not even face the fucking hard at all. Mm. I was thinking about this shit yesterday, and I was mid, we did a fucking, we did a 45-minute workout, and it was excruciating, and it was constant. And I was probably 20 seconds from completing the whole work. Most people didn't finish it. I think only two people finished it out of probably 30 that was working out yesterday. So like you I had was, to do like a certain amount within that time? Yes. Okay. So you had all these objectives. It was like 99 reps of this, 88 reps of this, 77 reps of this, 66 reps, all the way to... Within 45 to, minutes. Yeah. All, and it's, it's all... It's not... This is not body weight shit. This is all moving weights around and doing stuff. And uh, we get to the, like, to the end and I finish it within like... 20 seconds. I didn't finish it. So I had like 20 or 30 seconds left of stuff I needed to get done. But I also wasn't pushing myself to the absolute, my absolute peak because I just went hard Saturday. So I was like, okay, this is good enough, you know. But anyways, um, I was thinking while I was on the fucking uh, echo bike because I had to do like 55 calories on that, which took me like two hour, two minutes and 45 seconds, which is, it's, it's a while going really hard on the echo bike, right? I was thinking to myself like most of us don't, we never really find – we never tread into those deep waters of our fucking mind, right? Mm-hmm. We never really get into that that deep mindset to where we have to fucking question ourselves or we have to fucking test ourselves, 
or like motherfucker, like it's quit now or finish this shit. So like, cause, and I, I thought about this cause I knew we were going to talk today. I was like, well, if this comes up, I'll talk about it. But also I'd had a previous show with, uh, ben came on and we kind of did a swap on on the you know the I saw that one yeah you, you were on this so, chair and he was asking me yeah and he was asking me stuff and I really couldn't answer the question because I hadn't thought about it and I was thinking about this shit mid workout which is crazy but your mind goes into a different place when you're in a tough fucking spot right and so mentally physically is excruciating when you're pushing your body to this fucking you know you know basically where you want to quit but also also mentally is the part that tells you to keep going or stop right most people quit. 80% of people are going to stop because one, it's uncomfortable Two, it's maybe like your, your body's, you know, tired and you just can't go further. You know, there's all these things that say mentally that you can fucking stop, but the motherfuckers that really go like the distance in anything, they push themselves further because of their mental capacity. Right. And like most of us don't get into those deep waters ever in our life. So when we do get to those, we start treading that water a little bit. We freak the fuck out and get out. Well, they, you do, man. And I, it's interesting you say that because I uh, I grew up in a place where, you know, I grew up cowboy, and it was like yeah, that's why I was going to go back. I was going to ask was, you. Yeah. Well, I, I used to actually get pressed, and I see it took me getting a lot, like not a lot. Of, I mean, I'm only 33 now, but it took me getting to a certain age to where I didn't know until a couple of years ago how hard I used to get pushed. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I can remember days where it would be 33 and raining all day, and you're on a horse all day, and especially being like a 10 year old kid. Yeah, you know. Every, well, so how did that happen? So how were you? What were you doing, cowboy? Your family was into like how did that? Well, work? it was kind of like distant family. My dad basically worked for um, his uncle. Okay, you know, and he, you know, the the, the slogan was uh, "We don't get rained out, we get rained on." Yeah, you know, and it was um, he just worked really hard, and my family didn't have much. So <clears throat> uh, when I was really young, I was like, all right, you know, I'm like I had. Basically, my mom, my mom had a boss who like kind of had sympathy for us and was like, "Hey, you know, if you want, I can send your kids to YMCA for the summer." And I was like, "No, I'm gonna go work." Yeah. And so when I was nine years old, I started, you know, cowboying every summer, every day, and I, I'd get off the bus on the on the ranch during the school years and work spring break, and and a lot of it sucked, but I learned a lot of lessons from it. And uh, I've been paying into Social Security since I was ten. Yeah, you know, there's like there's even there's loopholes. A lot of people are like, you know, you were working that young and they weren't nobody got onto you. But there's there's loopholes with agricultural jobs because same thing going way back into the war days and stuff. You had to have food, so yep. doesn't there's not really an age there's limit. There's a lot of loopholes there because I this, uh, it started with me at twelve twelve I believe twelve two when I was working in the lumber company. Same yeah. kind of thing, yeah. So so now it's like like I had to bust my ass then and do things that I mean. I'm so thankful for, you know, just because of what it taught me. But now I'm starting to have, like, I've got to do cold plunges and I got to like, like, like I've, I've built this comfortable life off of like something else. And it's like, now I've started slacking like, like in certain areas because I don't, you know, I, it, everything, you know, what, what is that, uh, that I hear on a couple different podcasts, but it's like, uh, it, it's hard to get up and run like six miles when you're in silk sheets. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And I'm not saying I'm in silk sheets, That's but some I've, David Goggins shit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but I've made it far enough to where I'm like. You know, like I've got to, I don't have to get up right now, mm-hmm. but now I'm, I'm finally starting to like, you know, like really appreciate the suck, if you will. Like, 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 like now, like getting up in the morning, going to get a cold plunge, hit the gym, get in the sauna after that. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's something I look forward to because I know when I get done with it, 
It's going to drive me. Here's the, here's the one thing about this I think about is the people that listen and watch and hear that, and they may think, these motherfuckers got all the time to do this shit, right? Because they make it up in the morning at 6 a.m., and they got to get their kids to school, and then they got to go work, and by the time they get off. But here's the thing. All the work's been done up to now to get to this point, and the thing is I'm still finding time. Motherfucker, I'm still working till midnight every night. When you get off at 5 and go home and your day ends because you're working for someone, I'm working for myself. That means I got to do everything to get ready for the next day, whereas there's a team of people where you work. There's not here. It's just me or, you know, me and my wife or whoever, and we got to get this shit together for the next fucking day. So, like, yeah, we may get up and go work out in the morning and shit, but we still are fucking – we're constantly fucking doing shit. So, like – you got to find that it's it's hard to relay a message to some people, I think, and I hear things like th- where people are saying, well, I get up and do this, and I work out, and I do X amount of things before I start my day, and some people are just like, I just can't fucking do that. You you may not can do it, but you can do it at 10 o'clock at night when your kids go to sleep. You know, like, And maybe that's not what you need. Maybe you don't need physical activity. Maybe you need a, a fucking mental break. Like Everybody's thing's different, right? For me, I have to break myself fucking down mentally, physically, I have to break myself down physically before I can start breaking myself down mentally. Yeah. Where some people are already broken down physically when they get home, and, and but then they don't take the time to shut down. So I think everybody's different. So when people hear that and they're like, fuck, that must be nice, you know, like whatever. That doesn't sound like a big deal. I think every, I just think everyone's different. They need to figure out, you know, what it is they need to do. To, at the end of the day, you just need to take time for yourself. You know, however you access your mental fucking, you know, refreshment it's you know that's you know, that's each to their own. But for me, I have to beat myself down physically first. Because if not, I'll just keep fucking avoiding it. Well, I think so too. Like I definitely have to start. Like if I don't, for, like we're talking about workouts and stuff. Like if I don't start my day with the sucky shit, it doesn't get done every time. Right. Certainly not as consistent. Like if I like I've done afternoon workouts. Yeah. And some days when you're, especially if you're working a job you hate, and you know, you don't do this and shit. Dave has been an asshole. You know, like, you just, and then you get home, you're like, let me have a few glasses of wine, and then your wife or your girlfriend's like, oh, baby, I'm so sorry, and then yeah. you smoke a little joint, next thing you know, you're like, fuck it, I'll work out tomorrow. Yeah. You know, but if you just get it done first thing in the morning, it's like, okay, the other thing is like, for me, I mean, people can say what they want, but I've struggled with my, like, I grew up a fat kid, yeah. and then like, I got thin, you know, partially probably just when I hit puberty, you know, I just started, you know, you get more testosterone, but I worked my ass off. And then I got a job in the car business where I sat at a desk most of the day and I got fat because I wasn't doing anything and I was still eating like a guy that worked like an animal. Yeah. So then I, I was like, all right, I got to lose some weight. So I did P90X and it's really hard. You know, if you, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, I mean, some high intensity shit. It is. Yeah. And for somebody that doesn't work, like, like that's went from, you know, busting ass on a farm, you know, I didn't work out, but I worked. Right. I worked but you, hard. Weren't, you weren't in there doing those gym movements. Exactly. Right. And then I just sat in a desk for years. Right. P90X was. Tough, and so I did the full ninety days, and I lost like sixty pounds, and I looked good. But after that, I hated it because I just pushed myself too hard. And so I think, I think a lot of people see someone at like at somewhat of an end result point, or they like they see someone that is really good looking or has is really successful. And yeah. They're like, well, they have this, this, and this, but they don't understand that like I was seventy pounds heavier at one point, and yeah. I had to one little step at a time make it to where I am now, and it's not easy. But it's also not something that happened overnight. And yeah. some people, even my like like when I was younger than I am now, and I'm still pretty young, but it's like it's really easy to think that things are just going to happen overnight. It's re- it's hard to think about things in like where am I, like a two to three or five year scale, and especially when it comes to fitness, people want to be like you know what's how can I lose sixty pounds in sixty days? You can, 
But if you look at people, like look at the fighters that have to do the serious weight cuts, the the Patty Pimblets of the world, <laughs> yeah. uh, the even that Alex Pajeda, like he, um. he like these guys cut so much weight. They do, and, and and then when they get off of you know having to be they there, go right back up. they blow back up because because yeah. it's just not it's not meant to be done that way. And yeah. and I certainly like this this last go at it. I guess I've I've taken a longer, slower approach, but it's been more effective. Yeah, no, I think that's good. I think, um, yeah, I mean, I'm in the last weight cut I made before I quit was 50 pounds but i did over three months it's still it's still a lot whenever you've well, been when doing a certain, camp, yeah. especially when you're doing that yeah kind of it's just a lot and i was like you know but a lot of those people do it every single camp so it's kind of it's one of those things where it's like oh it's not that big of a deal but it is but and then some people like 50 pounds to them is a life-changing fucking thing whereas to a fighter it's just like i'm getting down to this to make this weight so i can compete at this yeah, weight I'll be right but tomorrow back. i'll be right back you know or two weeks i'll be right back up you know, not necessarily 50, but 20 or 30. Well, let, no, I'm sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. No, I was going to say, let's just talk about, so we hadn't even told anyone what you're doing, who you are, all that. So let's talk about, so basically, um, you, um, when I met you, you were in car sales. Um, and then since then, you've opened your own bail bonds company, and that's been successful. And now you're, you know, dipping your toes into the water of comedy. You've been doing that pretty, you know, regular here. So let's talk about all this shit, man. So let's let's go back to before where you're at now and kind of bring it back well you know i kind of told you earlier i grew up in the uh like being a cowboy yeah and i uh i quit school in the 10th grade and i uh i started uh i was still working for that farm but i kind of started like i had some of my own cattle that i had started buying and i did pretty good for a couple years but when the economy really tanked in 08, I just kind of lost it all, and I, I didn't really want to be involved with it anymore, and so I got to selling cars. Where were you and at at this point? That was back in Alabama, and that was uh, in Alabama. Montgomery, Alabama. Okay, all right. So, uh, so I get into selling cars right in the middle of a recession, and I just took off. I just I sold 14 cars in my first 14 t- days, and I was just I was making money, and at that time, it was all survival, so money was all that really mattered. Right. And I thought that was all I was ever going to do, so I. Worked up to being the finance guy and being the sales manager and the general sales manager. And, you know, I just kept stepping up the ladder and I I moved around. I ended up living in Houston for a while. Um, I thought I was going to be an artist out there originally doing pottery and selling pottery at like art and craft shows. Nice. Okay. And after I ran out of money, because that was a terrible <laughs> idea, I uh, got back in the car business. And I did really good there because the market was really good for a couple of years. And then, see, Houston's really sensitive. Like, like, Houston sometimes outpaces the economy when we're in a recession. But when gas prices go down, Houston typically goes down because that's where a lot of the refineries right. are. There's a ton of – it's, it's all a gas and oil kind of town. Right. So I uh, eventually moved out towards East Texas, Longview, and uh, I took a job. See, see when, you're, when you're in the car business, if, you're, if you are even decent – you know, and you're a manager, you can kind of move anywhere. It's kind of, it's, it sucks because you're going to still have to work a lot, but, yeah. but you can move. So I went from Longview and I, uh, when I got there, it was just a little too dead. And I, I got an offer from the same company to move over to Shreveport. So I was like, all right, let me come to Shreveport. So I was kind of half or helping run in the Cadillac store there. And then I, uh, I got arrested one day, which is, I've kind of later learned is like a rite of passage in the Shreveport, Bossier area. Yeah. But while I was uh, in jail, I was like, man... What did you get arrested for? DWI. Okay, gotcha. But I'd been in a little bit of different trouble when I was younger, and I, I'd always thought about 
how much of a sham it was going to jail. You got to pay this money and then you got to pay a lawyer and all this. So I was like, man, I'm going to be a bail bondsman. Yeah. And right after that, uh, well, I just met a bail bondsman too and somebody that I could like get my license through. So I, I go to jail, I get out. That was in January of 2020. So two months later, the lockdown happened. So a day before it actually, they announced the lockdowns, I quit my job because I kind of saw the writing on the wall and I was like, you know what? I'm going to be a bail bondsman. Yeah. So, so all through the pandemic, I just, I worked under somebody and I went doing bounty hunting gigs from Texas, Tennessee and Arizona and all in between. And I, uh, uh, when I got, I got my license eventually that year and I started my own company. So now, now, uh, I own a bail bonds company here. It's called fast AF bail bonds. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, we don't care what you call us. Just call us. <laughs> so that's been good because it kind of it kind of built an income source, and a lot of people go to jail here. It's unfortunate. Uh, a lot not, of people go to jail everywhere, man. They it's, do, but it's specifically like people do. Like people do. The system here is fucked. It, it is, man. Louisiana's. I mean, it's. And I, I know that I profit off of it, so it's like some people like have a problem with that. But the system is what it is. I didn't make it, and yeah. I don't. I don't agree with every part of it. There's some things that if they reformed. At the, at the end of the day, you're still getting people out of jail. You are, yeah. and the thing is, is that's. I try to like work with people, you know, especially if you don't have all the money, I'll give them, I'll make them, I'll let them make payments. And, you know, I try to help people out because I have been stuck in there and, you know, it's, it's not easy for everybody to get out. I mean, and it is the system that we have. So if you don't know somebody that's a bail bondsman and you don't have really good credit, like it's kind of a crediting system, really. When you go to get out, like it's depending on how much your bond right. is, if you don't right. have somebody that has a bunch of property and, you know, like, and so I, I'll work with some people that might not have all the qualifications if they give me the, the warm and fuzzy feeling, you know, if, if I know they're just trying to con me, I'm not just going to deal right. with anybody. Well, you have uh, you have a system to where, and my wife's in law enforcement, so I know this works, and, and your side of it, and and you know, I've been on the other side of it too. So, like, um, you have a system that's uh, flawed to where the point where we're we're housing these people that are continually going for the same offenses. Whereas they could be, you know, something. We have a lot of that, right? And then we have a yeah. lot of people who go in who just are one nighters. And, you know, so it's like there's a whole mix of different types of people. And I know you can shed – that's why I just brought it up because I know you can shed light on all those things and kind of give more facts to it, right? Well, for one, I mean, there's like 80 to 90% of our business are involved with two different things. And every, and then, like, there's a lot of other crimes. I'm not saying they're not bad crimes. But of, of what I bond people out, it's either drugs or domestic violence. Right. Okay. So if you take out, I mean, and, and to be conservative, that's probably 80, 80% of the business is probably drugs and domestic violence. And I don't know, like, it's hard to cite any, like, like if you look at, there's a lot of different government statistics out there, but I can assure you that they're not all counted on the up and up, depending right. on who counts it. Right, What's, of course. I mean, I've just seen, living in different places throughout my life, I can you can tell how the different governments operate. A lot of things go under the radar unreported or they get misreported. I mean, it's just somebody at a certain level wants to look a certain way and that, and it affects everything downstream. Right. But that being said, you know, a lot of it, I feel like a lot of what we do in the, in the system is we just, we're fighting, uh, we're playing a zero sum game, you know, like if, if you've been putting your hands on somebody or been physical, you should probably be in jail. Right. You know, but Lee weed is legal here now in the state if you have a medical card which you can yeah. do in like if you have the $200 to spend on it yeah, which sounds simple to a lot of people but an extra 200 bucks is not easy for everybody and if you have an extra 200 bucks and you're willing to go wait by the way the, the, the line I've been there because I have my own medical card the line to get 
that medical weed here, it wraps around the building. Yeah, uh, it takes forever, and so they have like they, they've they've it's it's getting better, but they're still they're still putting I still bond people out today for weed. Well, I mean, it's still federal federal. Well, it's federally still federally illegal. illegal, right? You know, but they they're kind of given the, the choices to the states. Right. But then like it's just it's just weird how a couple states over you're doing nothing wrong. Yep. A couple other states over somebody's doing life for selling a, a whole lot of weed. You know, the Biden administration announced not so long ago that they were going to uh, commute all the federal marijuana possession charges, yeah. which equaled zero. Yeah. Because nobody's doing Fed time over yeah, possession. Exactly, exactly. Like that's that's a, exactly. that's the kind of stuff that people go to jail for here. Like you're not do so. It's like there's this whole, you know, at, at the end of the day, in my opinion, people have been doing drugs since the beginning of time, and there's certain drugs that are really bad for people. You know, but just like with alcohol, we had that outlaw for a while, and what happened? People kept drinking, but then people started dying because they were making shitty alcohol, yep. and it had different shit in it that was killing people. So eventually, they're like, "All right, all right, like obviously you got motherfuckers are going to drink." Yeah, it's not so, going to go away. Let's yeah, it's not going out, away. Let's so figure out how to make money on well, it. Let's, well, not just make money, but let's make sure it's done right. Right. So you're going to pay a tax, but we're going to we're going to inspect it because I can guarantee you, like like you can die off alcohol still, but you got to drink enough of it. Right. And most of us can't even do can't even make it that far. So it's pretty tough. You know, it's it's people die on alcohol, but it's usually from wrecks and stuff like yeah, that. It's, it's not, not from it's, it's from, not from, it's from consuming alcohol and then doing something. They yeah, it's, do after it's they very consume. rare that someone dies from an overdose of alcohol right. because it's it's all monitored. So yeah. the same with drugs. Like like uh, you had big pharma. They're allowed to get everybody addicted on opioids for. Yeah. You know, they give people oxycontin for back pain. Now people are doing heroin that has fentanyl in it, and it's killing more people than. Anything you know, and and they're not a lot like like all they have to do is just. It's it sounds. So here's the thing: things change slowly, but at the rea- the reality is, people have been doing these things since the beginning of time. Yeah, you're never going to stop that. So if we can all just put all our little feelings aside and and realize that people are going to do these things, it might not be something you agree with, but they're going to do it. And I'm sure that anybody that is disagreeance with it does something also that other people don't agree with. So, like, we all are going to do things somebody doesn't agree with. But as a whole, we have a big problem with, like, how many kids, how many people, how many kids do you know that aren't really into drugs that just do it once or twice and they get that drugs with fentanyl and they die? Yeah. You know, they're not, they're not bad kids. No. Like, maybe they made a bad choice or maybe they just weren't ready for what was being put into their body. But instead of us saying, like, hey, let's not do this, let's, let's make, let's raise awareness and let's make it, you know, like, like. I think the reason it doesn't happen, by the way, is because everyone that makes laws, a lot of them are lawyers. And if you made a lot of these things legal and taxed it and then rehabbed everybody with the money you got from it, it would be real easy to – I wouldn't say easy to fix it because it's a big problem. But I think you could at least have a better chance versus just pretend – like I feel like the old way of doing things is let's pretend this doesn't exist. You know, and let's just sweep it under the rug, and you can't until do that. it comes back to bites us in our ass. Well, I yeah. mean, like now we have cartels. You know, like they made a drugs illegal, but now, like cartels didn't exist like that before the war on drugs. Yeah, you know, like like it's no. There's someone always going to uprise against it and make. Yeah, I mean, it's just going to happen. And then at that point, it's like, well, that 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 specific um, you know group of people is now regulating against you, who you were the were originally the regulators. You know what I mean? It's going to be a constant battle, but all all it boils down to is you're telling someone they can't do something. Well, especially an adult, like dude, like okay, like this is one of the reasons I got into bail bonds. Like when I was okay, I'm I'm 33 now. When I was 22, 
I got busted for buying some weed in Alabama, and it was illegal. Yeah. And I admit that. But, you know, I paid probably $50,000 in taxes between, you know, federal, state, and local that year. Yeah. Um, I was in a suit when they arrested me. I had just gotten off work on a Friday, and they took me to jail. And um, my boss, who was a state senator at the time, actually offered to bail me out. And I didn't want him to be close to it, but I'm just like, there's no reason for me to go to jail. Like I didn't do, like I wasn't high while I was driving. I had bought some, but yeah. they, they, but they had like 18 different cars around me. Right? There was like this sting. I was involved around somebody. There was this sting operation. So they had all these cops involved. Like I didn't have any weapons. They even arrested. Me. What was funny is they blocked off the road and like made me pull into a, a Catholic church parking lot. <laughs> so I'm in front of a Catholic church. All like my boss found out because there's these people that are, it's right in front of this rich neighborhood, and all these people are like, "Is that the gentleman that works for you?" And so yeah. I'm like, everyone made a big to do about it, but I was just smoking weed. Yeah. And like now I can get it legally with a medical card while I legally bail people out of jail that are in jail for possessing it, and it's just like, should they have been putting like should they have been putting not just they they shouldn't be putting anyone in jail for that, but like. I just wasn't hurting anyone. Right. You know, and I was also, by all accounts, helping my community. And there was no reason that should have happened. And there's just so many people that end up being, doing time over things that they're not violent people. They're not bad people. They just, they're, we just have some things that are outdated. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, like, I've had this conversation with multiple cannabis experts on here from, um, you know, um, people who've um, working with, you know, as diplomats for the system as it's, you know, become legal in this state and other states as well and conversations with people who've been in the industry and actually have clinics that provide these things. And um, it's just this some this was just something just like the – I know you know this story, but just like the cotton industry that was, you know, put forth and, you know, in motion and kind of kind of basically overran the cannabis industry because, you know, they were using – cannabis for fiber and stuff like that you know all that happened in the early 1900s well you know why that happened right we, money man it's well, but, 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 was william randolph hearst yeah he yeah. owned all the publications yeah, yeah and he was like he had just invested a bunch of money into cotton gins yeah that was the thing and because he had that kind of pull see there wasn't the, the cool thing now i will say is that there's so much awareness on this stuff that i feel like it's just a matter of time if we don't kill each other first with right. nukes or something yeah. that all this will will shake out but back then that guy worth all the money in the world yeah. you know he he had the ability to to shift the opinions and the thing is is that hemp is not nearly as detrimental to the environment right and it's also it lasts longer it's just a better plant all around when it comes to making fibers like that, like you said, even paper. So, but we wouldn't know that because we haven't been educated on it. Because exactly. from an early standpoint, it was hijacked basically, but for for you know due profits, and that's that's all fine and well. And and ever since then, it's been looked down upon and had this egregious fucking attack on it. And so now it's like we're trying to climb out of this hole. And then all these people have all this illegal money has been made, and then all these people have been put into prisons and jails and and we've been paying for that as tax part people when all the while these people could be walking around free when they're just basically having another recreational habit that's probably not as detriment to them as tobacco use right well and i'm and here's the thing i'm not even a fucking avid cannabis user man i'm just stating the fucking facts that i know and it's kind of common sense these people like you know the war on drugs was such a heavy thing and you know it hit hard really in the fucking 70s right 
in the sixties, and like it's like no, the war on drugs came later. Well, I mean, but I'm saying that the, the <coughs> okay, excuse me, not the war on drugs, but the actual, actual um, people like delegating against marijuana use was really heavy in the fucking sixties and, and took off really hard in the seventies. Where you had people that would say, you know. The whole they, hippie movement fuck, and all well, that. No, yeah. they, they, they said, you know, that right. was also the, uh, was it Harry, uh, Harry, I think it's, An- I can't think of his last name. Harry, uh, I wish we could look up his name, but it's Harry Ansler, I think. But he, there was a big thing that they came out with, and, and Hearst helped him with that too. Yeah. Because he was, it was this, this tied into that cotton thing. They, they came out with a hit piece about how marijuana would make white women want to sleep with black men. Exactly, because it, black men was... Yeah, I know that's, the whole that, thing. That, that's yeah, the, yeah, whole, exactly. the whole thing started yep, with that. That's where it, it starts, but it, it all starts with the fucking cotton gin, right? <laughs> well, it, it sort of, but it also, like... It's weird because it's like they delegated certain drugs to start... Like, like, like weed became, like, the black man's drug. And yeah. And they had, like... like Until... They, they, they attacked opiates... Not, but they attacked opiates for being, like... Um, like uh, uh, Asian drug, yeah. So like they had all these different things they started making illegal because they had these different connotations and all, and I don't know why they came up with that. I'm, they, I think it they just it makes, assigned it. No, it. it makes sense because we're already a segregated society. So yeah. when they can apply something to someone, they're segregated against that, that Asian man. You're not opium. exactly. You're not going to do that. You're not going to do that. Black man's. I'm like, have you drug. tried opium? For right. Us? It's kind of nice. But it know? makes it makes sense, right? But yeah. when, and also, by the way, fentanyl. Like I've had fentanyl when I, like when a horse fell on my leg and I had to get my leg rebuilt. Fentanyl is a great thing. Yeah. But kids not knowing how much fentanyl they're getting, deadly. And that's that's the other thing too. Like same with alcohol. Like like alcohol. You and I are having a great time right exactly. now, sipping a few of these. But if you if we had gotten it from some guy that you know sold it from some who knows where and it had lead in it and yeah. we died tomorrow, wouldn't be that nice. Exactly. And that's the thing. Like with with drugs, I feel like. You're never going to stop everyone, but also, like, let's just educate. Like, I feel like old society like to hide things. So instead of being like, hey, you know, this is what you should do, they were like, oh, God, don't like that. You know, and they, like, and I'm, I'm a proponent of God. I'm a very spiritual being, and I, and I love studying about God. But I also know that there is a reality to all of these things we try to sweep under this rug of, you know, let's not worry about that when we should be educating kids. Because, Especially now, like kids have it all at their hands. Like, like, like I used to read encyclopedias as a kid, and I would get mad at my parents for lying to me about things. They didn't even know they were lying about. No, they don't know. They hadn't. They were like, "Wait, what?" Your culture what? brings and, you up and you, gives you this information, and yeah. this, until you've proven otherwise, you have no exactly. idea. Exactly. So now, like these kids have Google, and like you're, you know, your kid's going to ask you some things, and like I think we should answer them. I think as a culture, like I, I'm not saying we should go out and tell every kid everything. Like, like kids need to be kids. But if they start asking you questions, even if they're younger than you think they should be, I think you need to go into it with a, a well, proactive. You know, yeah, you know at that point what that mind can take. Exactly. Right. right. So you, you, it's a, it's a, your fine line between lying to them and then telling them, you know, a little bit of the truth that'll lead into more truth later. Right. Exactly. Right. The Santa Claus thing, it kind of ties into what we were talking about because. Nobody really knows the story of Santa Claus. We all have what we were taught as a kid. Yeah. And I can remember when I was a kid, like, I smelled bullshit immediately. You know, like... Yeah, man. I, me too. Me too. Like, I busted my parents out when I was five. Like, because when, when I yeah. was four even, I, I remember being like, bro, there's something about this shit. There's nobody that slides down this fucking chimney. Why? Well, we did in a trailer I, house. We didn't well, have a fucking well, we chimney. Did, we, 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 but I'm just saying, like, our chimney was small. It was so small. I was like, yeah. this fat motherfucker is not getting yeah. here. So I tried to stay up when I was four, and I failed at that miserably. So when I was five, I was like, you know what? 
I'm going to catch this motherfucker if he's here. So I'd laid a, I made a pallet behind the Christmas tree. How many kids do you think do that every year? Probably thousands. Maybe. I don't know. But, thousands. But definitely I was like, I, I, laid a, I made a pallet behind the Christmas tree. So four or five in the morning, whenever my parents got up to set all the presents out, one of them, woke, they, they touched me and woke me up. And I was like, I can't, like, I was just like, I was mad, dude, because they had been lying to me. And they yeah. were really just trying to have a little kid-friendly game. That's what people do. But it's a culture thing. It's it is a culture thing, and the thing is though is that uh, I, I brought these uh, Amanita muscaria mushrooms, so uh, they're kind of associated also with, uh, with with the Christmas tale. Yeah, and the more I've dug into it, the more I've realized that nobody can truly say where Christmas came from because there's so many different like especially I think we all know for sure it's not. Jesus' birthday. Of course, but it's always tied into that, right? It is. And I'm by no means anti-Jesus, so I hope people don't take it that way, but it's definitely not his birthday. And so, like, the more modern interpretation, I think, has a lot to do with... Like, you think about this. If you own a big corporation, when you need to get rid of all your shit? End of the year, man. End of the year. Yeah. So, to me, like, just being a businessman off the rip, if I could think of no... No better time than to have the the birth of Jesus when we should all be gifting each other's holiday. Yeah. It'd be at the end of the year. And so if you look at some of our more recent, uh, you know, what pressed Christmas, I think it had a lot to do with merchandise and retail and, you know, stores trying to get rid of their stuff. It makes sense, man. And also, I mean, and it does because, like, even, I mean, as a business owner, I'm sure you've, like, like if you make some money one year, you're like, oh, what, what can I do to, you know, to get a few extra write-offs at the end of the year? Like, give some things away, buy something, whatever you have to do. Yeah, be charitable, uh, spend money on people that yeah. where I normally wouldn't do so. You know, that makes sense for if I was, a you know, that person, that mindset, trying to apply that. So a lot of people don't know that there's also, like, a... Well, you have like the Christian tradition, but before that, there was like a lot of there was a couple different pagan traditions that had to do with uh, Santa Claus, like a shaman. Yeah, for instance, yeah. he might slide down your your chimney. Yeah, and he might give you some of these mushrooms. And if you look at the the type, the styling of these mushrooms and the coloring, I don't want to take them out of the vacuum seal because they're for uh, ornamental purposes only in Louisiana. Yeah, <laughs> but it's the same color as Santa Claus with the red and the white. Yeah, and if you look at if you Google Santa Claus mushrooms or Santa Claus and Amanita muscaria, which is the the name of them. You'll see a lot of the old Christmas pictures. The elves lived in mushrooms. That the same ones as these. You look at really old Christmas cards. You'll see that too. They're all mushrooms, yeah. and a lot of the elves live in there. Santa Claus lives in there. That's just part of the the whole image. And if you even uh, that you ever heard, uh, you've heard of Grandma got ran over by a reindeer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you know why she got ran over? So. A lot of people don't know that reindeer really love these mushrooms too. Okay. So it's kind of like if, if you listen to some of you know I've never been around caribou like that, so I can't say firsthand. But apparently, when they eat them, they get very um, rambunctious. They run around a lot. They the, and 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 apparently, if you live like a lot of places in the Netherlands and places further and further up north that grow these types of mushrooms and they have reindeer there, they would they would also eat them. And the, the reindeer could smell it while they were outside pissing somewhere. Okay. So they would actually smell that catnip sense like activated and they would run you over. Okay. Because they smelled the mushrooms. And that's how attracted they are to them. So they think that even the flying reindeer whole idea came from people eating these, seeing reindeer eat them, and then thinking they were flying sort of thing. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, it's something that um, 
it's something that that's been on my radar for a while. We haven't, and you said like, "Hey, man, we could talk about this." I'm like, "Yeah, it's a good good topic because I haven't talked about it." But I will say this: um, we'll go back to that in a second. It's like telling telling the kids like, I never really told them; they just figured it out, and I didn't fucking keep lying to them, right? Um, but at the same time, we were doing a donation drive today. I'm not going to shit on someone else's culture. Is what I'm getting at. Exactly. No matter what it is, exactly. We're donation drive today. Um, friend of mine's their kids come. We did you know raising for a uh, local community here. Friend of mine's kids they come in every year, hang out with us, and you know they don't, we go donate presents together. They came in, they were talking about they saw Santa Claus, what they're getting, and you know I'm just going to immediately jump right into that because that's their culture, and I'm not going to shit on it. So there, there's there's a thing, there's a, something to that, right? So like. If you do that with your family, that's fine. You know, what I do with mine's fine. If people shitting on each other's cultures, I think it, it's just like shitting someone else's religion, right? You should do your own fucking thing. Well, I totally agree with that, and I definitely don't want anyone to... Like, when I was a little bit younger, <clears throat> I was probably a little more pro-shit on somebody else. Yeah, because, like, we all are. When, you, younger, when you learn something new and you're young, it's just yeah, like... You, like, you want to take it and run away. You want to be an activist, well, almost. You wanna, <laughs> yeah, you, wanna, you yeah. just want motherfuckers to know you know something. Yeah. And, like, that's cool, except, like... Kids still get to be kids. Yeah. But also, like, I've learned a lot from other cultures. You know, there's a lot of, especially growing up in the South, you get a really big blanketed idea of how a lot of things work. And that's the gospel, and that's how it is. And there's a lot of places that I've been to where people from those same places told me how terrible they were who had never been there. And when I got there, I found out that people there were just as nice. Yeah. And they might believe things a little bit differently, but they're not bad people. Yeah. And... You know, I uh, I'm not here to tell somebody what they should or shouldn't believe when it comes to God and tradition, but tradition has held us together societally for a long time. And as much as I think certain things about Christmas are bullshit, there's nothing I love more than like right now. I'm about to go to Alabama to see my family who I haven't seen in a while for Christmas, and I am going to love this Christmas season because of that. You know, I'm not going to get hung up on. Who, what, why, when right, we celebrate yeah. this. Although I do think it's important. I don't think it's unimportant, but I do think there's a time and a place. Like you said, when you're at that, that drive and people are donating and giving, that's not a time to ruffle any feathers because we're all trying to do something for other people. Exactly. And I think that the, the biggest message is like, you know, we, we can all have our opinions, but there is a time that we should put them aside and just be people together. Yeah. You know, and I, I don't think that there's any other way to describe that. Yeah. Well, let's talk about these mushrooms more. So these mushrooms, um, they're not your psilocybin mushroom. They're not. I'm gonna give you. They're not an extreme hallucinogen. But well, they no, will well, give you some a little bit of um, little bit of an effect there. Well, no, that depends on who you. All right. So coming from someone with a decent amount of experience in mushroom, well, I wanted to talk about that too. So that's why we're but, but, but right zero. Into. But zero with these. These. Okay. This is my first. Like you know, like I said, I can't do this here. I got to do this back in Texas. Right. But but uh, psilocybin mushrooms, they have been used for thousands of years as far as we know just like these a lot of people when they talk about mushrooms that are psychedelic in nature or magic mushrooms that's what they think about um and growing out of cow poop or yeah. however they make them right the other thing about those is that you can't grow them like if you get if you know what you're doing and you get it right like the spores or whatever you need you can make them yeah and there's and there's hundreds of types that produce the same well not hundreds but there's like Dude, there's a good a 20 shit. okay well i was there's gonna a, say there's shitloads. Well, there's yeah, a good tw- okay. but there's a good yeah. 20 yeah. versus like these these you can't grow like like even the uh, so I follow these different groups and different people that are good like big time mycologists and there's people that have been able to make something that kind of looks like this but it's a very naturally like it only per- occurs in like different types of pine and conifer forest 
So you have to really know where to look. And also depending on what area you're in, there's some of them that are quite poisonous. So like it's, it's the kind of mushroom you have to go forage and you've got to know what you're doing. That's why I bought them because I, they don't really grow in our area that much. And I didn't want to, cause if you get the wrong ones, you can die. Yeah. But there's different, depending on how you prepare them, you know, like these are dried, excuse me. These have been dried, dehydrated professionally. They've been vacuum sealed. So from this point, you can make them into a tea. You know, you could, uh, a lot of people, what they'll do is they'll take this. This is about 30 grams. So they'll take all this. They'll make it into a tincture. Like you'll boil it for 30 or 40 minutes. And then whatever you have left, you kind of press out into a liquid. And it's good for about a week. Anything you have left, you can freeze it. So you have to be able to measure it. But if you take like, like a gram to two grams, people call that a microdose. And so some people, it's, it's interesting because if you take this early in the morning, for a lot, of, and everybody's different, but for a lot of people, it gives them a full day worth of energy. So like you drink a cup of coffee except you just do a little tea with this and you have a full day's worth of energy. And then some people will take that same amount, but right before bed and it's a good sleep aid. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's interesting in that it can be a stimulant, but also it can be something that helps you sleep. And again, I haven't tried it myself, but supposedly you have very vivid dreams when you do the sleep aid version. So you're going to try it in both contexts. I am. I'm going to, I want to do like, so I want to take the whole 30 grams and kind of like do like a small micro dose of like, in the morning time to see what it does for my energy energy yeah. throughout the day and then wait a couple of days do a similar nighttime and then they have they say if you do like five to ten grams depending on the, the thing is the potency varies a lot with these that's why the, they say that you should use a lot of them to make a big batch of like a boiled down yeah, substance so you can get something that's uh well, well it, yeah it averages it all out because yeah. because there's a 600 percent variance between potency that's a lot between caps that's a fucking it lot. is yeah so, so like one of you might eat one of these caps and nothing happens and you might eat one of them and you're like yeah you know you don't know what's happening so but apparently if you eat like up to five to seven ten grams depending on your size and all you can have quite an experience uh the big thing is that if you like eating them fresh not that good of an idea they have they have and psilocybin mushrooms you have psilocybin and when you eat that the the acid in your stomach converts that into psilocin which is what gives you a psycho a psychedelic experience right these have two different psychoactive compounds, and one of them slightly toxic. So if you look up, if you read on the internet about these, they'll say toxic mushrooms because there's ibotenic acid, and then there's mucimol. Okay. Okay, the ibotenic acid can cause upset stomachs. It can cause delirium. Just in general, not a good experience. The mucimol is what gives you more of a psychedelic experience. But what's interesting is that... But it's suppressed, Right. What do you, it's, it's suppressed, and, and it, the the psychedelic experience you get from these versus a psilocybin is is quite more suppressed. I don't think. So. Well, I don't know because I haven't okay. experienced it, but I can say that based on what I've heard, that's not necessarily the case. Okay, it's just different. Like for one, they, they they affect different receptors in your brain, but um, there's certainly a lot of. I feel like what the problem, well, not the problem, but like a lot of people don't have crazy psychedelic experiences with these because they don't know how to prepare them. Right. Okay. A psilocybin mushroom, you can do anything. They're, to well, they're better to dry. They're, <laughs> yeah. they're still better if you like dry them out if you're trying to achieve that goal. But you can also eat them fresh. These, if you eat fresh, you're likely to probably throw up and not have a great experience. But if you dry them out, it removes a lot of that ibotenic acid. Yeah. Because the other thing is that for some reason, the ibotenic acid also helps exacerbate the mucimol but only in a smaller amount so once you 
dry them out or uh, dehydrate them, they'll give you – some people will just eat them like that, but versus eating them fresh, it's not good. Some people will also – they'll even measure – they get a pH balance measure because the pH balance will tell you how much it has of each. So, Well, what's, what's interesting too though is – okay, so let's go back to the, like the Santa Claus stuff. So like how in the fuck do you think they figured out how to regulate and measure these things, finding them in the wild? Do you think it was just they just put them all in a pot and cooked them down? All right, so – I wasn't there back then, but the one right, thing, I, one of the things, what that, we know, well, you well know. just like the grandma got ran over by a reindeer. Right. All right, the reason she got ran over was because she was pissing and she had already eaten some amanitas. Yeah. Okay. The reindeer smell that they run her over because they want the mushrooms. Right. Well, subsequently, it's kind of a known practice that people would actually drink the piss from reindeer that had already eaten them because the reindeer. Can better handle the abtenic acid, and their body breaks their body breaks ah, it down okay. to where it's already in a better form. So, so, get the- so if you could capture a reindeer that had eaten these mushrooms, which I guess you had to be a badass motherfucker yeah. to do that, anyways. But if you did that, you could drink the piss and have a better, more psychedelic experience without having to do anything to it. Why in the fuck would you want to think to drink a reindeer's piss? I don't the first know. Place? I don't. I don't know. But, but I will say, I've heard in other cultures like it's it's been denounced. Like so, they used to say that Siberian shamans, because like shamanism is like older than any religion yeah. and the interesting thing is it's it's been noted in different parts of the world before we thought different parts of the world could yeah it was just their medicine doctor you know basically in that community sort of. so so a lot of people think that the the siberian shamans they were the like some people there's been different accounts so i'm not saying this is right or wrong but some people think that the shaman even would eat these and then piss and then you would drink the shaman's piss that's also tied into some of the santa claus stories so i do know like i'm not like I'm down to boil some down. I'm not going to drink my own piss right. for the record. Right. But some people, from what I understand to this day, they'll still like they'll they'll just eat these raw, and be and then, sick, and then piss, and then piss, and then drink their piss. That's fucking disgusting. Yeah. But hey, what, it mean, is fucking disgusting. Yeah. But it, it's crazy. Like who was the first guy that was like, "Yo, this didn't work." But what if wait till, wait till my kidneys filter this all out and then we'll try it? Yeah. So like that's and I, and, I, and I I'm quite well like I guess back way back in the day though like before you had any form of entertainment there was a lot of different ways people probably enter like yeah I mean we're we're all associating this to modern practice right I mean well think that, about the, all the gross shit you seen like the, all the when shit you were like seven like what was the grossest thing you saw a kid do you know what I'm saying like it was probably pretty fucked up yeah so well, imagine before imagine seven thousand years ago. What kids would do for fun. Well, it's just like us eating something. Like, how in the fuck did we know as a culture when, like, if you just go out and you were fucking fall out of a, you know, woman and you, then you get old enough to move around and then you're, you know, you're in the wild fucking society and you just, you're hungry so you just consume. Like, motherfuckers had to try everything and figured out what you could eat and what you couldn't, well, right? Well, they did. Well, so some people do think, too, that a lot of the start of the... Christian religion had something to do with these. By the way, these same mushrooms, if you look at, um, if you even look at the name Jesus, like what it was, uh, sorry, what's the word, um, translated from? Yeah. In, in, in ancient Greek, it was like Yahshua, which was Joshua. And it basically meant like the semen of God. Yeah. And so a lot of people think that, well, well, if, there's a specific book called The Mushroom and the Cross. Um, but but there's the Dead Sea Scrolls is what that's based off right. of, which is the oldest known text that we have, 
And so a lot of people even, they, they correlate the name of God to, like, they, they thought that rain was God's semen. So I don't want to get too, I don't want people to think that it's like God's like. Right, we're not jerking being off sexual here. No, no yeah, it's not yeah, like that. No, yeah. but they, but they, but that is, but, but to them, semen was like, like, and if you even look in like biblical texts, a lot of the, like a lot of people that are like a couple generations younger than us, like they weren't allowed to jerk off and stuff because that was like God's seed. Yeah. Like it was very, very like you didn't just get to put it anywhere. Oh, that was no, that was strictly for procreation. It was, it, it yeah. was. And so and so and also like imagine if you were in a place where you'd had a drought and that's what you the rains what you needed to eat off of, and then all of a sudden you guys are starving. And see when it rains the next morning mushrooms, they're they're like that. And there's no you don't put seeds out for them. So they thought it was the seed, the seed of God because it was like God feeding them when they didn't have to plant anything. Yeah, and they come overnight. Like, like it just that's just like a good uh, mushrooms. If you notice, you'll you'll go into a field and it rains good. Next day, they're everywhere. Yeah, if there's any type of organism there that's going, yeah, I mean that's it. Exactly. So they would eat a lot of those because that was all they had to do. So I don't think that. I think over time, like. I do think there's a lot of different weird well, psychedelics. We just don't know, man. I feel like that everything's been written, rewritten. It's just like when you play that game in school where someone tells someone a fucking secret, and then by the time it gets around the room, it's completely different. The telephone than what it game or whatever. Yeah, you remember that. Yeah. So it's like you, we don't know what stuff started as, but as we're, I think we're as a society are starting to debunk things as we dig into things after we're unveiling these fucking secrets that have been kept from us for so long. And I think people sometimes just go too far. They're like way too far this way or way too far the other way saying, well, it's got to be this or it's got to be that. And there's no way that we were lied to. Well, I mean, it's not that we were directly lied to. It's just that things over time, the story gets misconstrued. And then so who knows what the fucking truth is or not. But being able to bring it back and then kind of divulge your own fucking, you know, hypothesis from it's kind of fucking cool, you know. I think so. I think the main thing is that it pisses me off when people think they have all the answers. Yeah, like, and no one does. Like, like no one does. Like, just because your book says this, and you like, I know you grew up like having to hear this your entire life, and so you're gonna obviously think that. But that doesn't mean it's all right. It also doesn't mean it's all wrong. Right. And the main thing is like, I believe that we're all you know a common human species, and I think that we all have something we could teach each other, and we all have something we could learn from each other. And so I think if we look at it from a place of, okay, I may not agree with everything you say, but I know for sure that you're more swole than me and you got that fucking whoop strap <laughs> and I might need one of the fucking straps if I want to yeah. get jacked. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, like it might not have been in my Bible, but maybe there's a new religion out there. Well, yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like religion's an ideology, well, right? It, it that's is. That's all you boil it down to. And, and, and it was used for governed for a very long time. And that's where shit gets misconstrued. And I've, I haven't had this conversation. When I first started this podcast, I said I wasn't going to touch, touch politics. I wasn't going to touch religion. But everything has changed because here's my thing. Religion was used to govern. from the As far back as we can remember, if you go all the way back to early Catholicism where that fucking villages were fucking pillaged and raped and killed kids and women and taking men slaves and moved on and you know like that's how culture started becoming more and more intertwined right where all these villages were taking other uh, over over other villages and they were all it was all the fucking catholic church man you know that's kind of like that that's not modern day catholic church but that's like catholicism goes back that fucking far and then you predate that, and then you mix in Christianity, and it's just like you don't really know what the answer is, but you do look at things, and it, it is a it is a turn like a, a form of government. It is, but also the thing that pisses me off about some modern day religious people is that they fail to admit some of the, not all of them, but a lot of people fail to admit 
that a lot of the stories that they practice in their religion are just recycled from previous religion. Like, like the like. That's another thing. But yeah, that, but here's the, but here. And but, here's but writing, why. they don't. But, they but don't write, do well, a lot of it's writing though. See, yeah, like writing they don't do just the became, investigation. Well, maybe they just, they, maybe, but also like it's harder to investigate because this is one of the first written religions. You know what I'm saying? Like like this, the stuff that we're studying now is the first written stuff. Right. And we're in a period to where that's the most recent in a, in a religious aspect, whereas. The people that were born like in the era of Jesus, they didn't have a bunch of texts they read. Like right. it was just, and, and even Christianity, like it wasn't a, a real thing until a couple hundred years after he died. I think yeah. like four hundred years. So like a lot of people think that even when Jesus was alive, like you weren't a Christian. Like that's not what you were. No. You know there was a lot of there was a lot of Dionysian There's, Greek rituals that got tied up into into that with that. And the people, well, that, a lot of people that carried his story on were Greeks. Like it, it fascinated me because I was into my early twenties before I started going to college. So I got out of high school, went to the oil and gas industry, then decided to go back to college online and get my degree so I could move up in management in the oil and gas industry. And I would start stud- I started studying these history. I had these history classes for my business um, degree, and I started looking at these these uh, history. You know, I had these classes. I was looking at these things. I was looking at, you know. Catholicism, and I was looking at you know Greek stuff, and I was looking at Roman stuff, and how stuff overlaps so much, and it started just giving me a, a broad. Like I have a broad view of religion as a whole because there's a lot of s- stories that are regurgitated but told in a different manner. But there's no way if they were we're across the fucking hemisphere that these still line up, right? It's weird. Well, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying, except like if you go back, like like what's the oldest known civilization we have right now? It's like Gebekli Tepe, and it's like. Almost 13,000 yeah, But, and but years we old. just now recently discovered that. We just that. now recently yeah, discovered it. Before that, it was, what, Mayans? I mean, the Aztec. No, the Mayans. Excuse me. No, I think before that, it was the uh, um, Egyptian stuff. I think oh, the, yeah, that yeah, was before that. I think that. the, yeah, the yeah, Egyptian... Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I'm, I'm no um, scholar on this, so I could be wrong. But I, I do know that Gobekli Tepe was the most recent. And right. I, but I've just... And that's now been predated over older than 12,000 years. Well, my, my, my point there before we get into that was that it's very interesting how these stories are similar. Yeah, but with different meaning. Exactly. Well, but well, one of the things they all talk about though is great, like great flood. Like there's a lot of these. Yeah. The great flood's a big one that's very, um, it's mentioned in a lot of different ancient texts, outside of religious texts. Uh, Every well, I mean, religious texts. Who, who wrote Grant? Um, Graham. Uh, what's Graham's last? Graham name? Hancock. Graham Hancock uh, produced that um, series and um, visiting all those single civilizations, telling a similar story is very interesting, right? It is because it's like it's pretty obvious that they all add up and it's it's funny how like some stories just last the test of time. You know, yeah. like like that that whole like uh flood story, it's been around for a long time and it's around in a lot of cultures and I guess my biggest thing is that I just don't like when people discount other cultures ideolo- ideologies or where they're coming from because yeah. they assume theirs is the best when I, I would rather hear them all. Yeah. And form my own conclusion. Exactly. I'm the same way. Because, that's that's because, what I immediately thought when I started looking at these religions. I was like, it's not, not saying anything against how I've been raised with Christianity, but also looking in that if I was born in another area and I had no idea yeah. of this religion, Would you be you're saying that I'm sinned and damned to hell because I'm – but then, then your arguments, well, someone's going to eventually come there and teach it to you in what life – no, that's not how it works, right? So it's like you got to – my thing always, my comparison always with this and, and my argument always is, that, or my answer to any of these arguments is always like, look, man, I feel like if you do good shit, good shit happens. And if you do bad shit, bad shit fucking happens. At the end of the day, it all washes itself out and you can believe in whatever you want to believe in, you know? 
I agree with that. And I'm sure there's outlying scenarios where people just had a bad run. But I do know for sure that the more good I've done towards other people, the more things just happen for exactly. me. And I, I've also been at darker times in my life where I wasn't always doing the right thing. And things felt pretty shitty. And yeah. I always felt like the world was caving in on me. And one day I just realized that I was, you know... Uh, I, I was the one causing all that. Do you think uh, – so you've had uh, quite a few cycle, um – let's see here. How many experience, psychedelic experiences have you had? And and recently – did you have that one recently we talked about? Did you – for your birthday, did you do all that shit you talked about? Well, I didn't go to Peru. No, okay. I, uh, no but you were going to go up in the mountains or something and do like – Well, we did, but the weather got really bad. Okay. It, we, okay. it ended up getting diverted into Austin, so we didn't really – we didn't do the same stuff that I plan on doing. Well, but. my question is, based, do you think that you know, having since it's it's interesting, right? The 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 more industries you're involved in, the older you get, the more wise you become of different things and elements and how you you know operate and move on a day to day basis. Do you think psycho, uh, psychedelic experiences has added more to your arsenal? You know what I mean, like things you've been through. Like what's like what's monumental to you in those any of those experiences? Um, I think when I was a little bit younger and I first started doing it, it was more of an escape. Like, all right, I, what, what made you want to even try it though? Uh, I think where I grew up, like when I started experimenting with different drugs and I was pretty young teenager, Do you think that was something just to be cool because a lot of it sometimes is, or you think it's something just to try something new or get there, away from I think reality? There was a degree, well, like, so I used to be in a... I used to be in a gifted class where, like, all the smart kids go to, you know? Yeah. And before that, I was, like, you know, like, before before that age, like, this was, like, seventh grade when I – well, I had been in the classes for a while, but when I got into seventh grade specifically, went to junior high, I was, like – like, I wouldn't cuss. I was an angel. And this, this really smart girl that was in the same class with me was telling me how these kids were going to go smoke some weed. They were all in this class together. And I was, like – Y'all motherfuckers smoke weed? You know, I was, like, kind of taken aback by it. Yeah. And so immediately, I like, I didn't want to be, like, the out. So I, I was kind of trying to be cool, I guess, in that aspect. Like, I, I wanted to, like, experience it with them. And, like, from where I came from, my dad did a lot of drugs, and, like, he kind of fucked everything up. So to me, like, drugs were just bad, and you just didn't do that. But after I, you know, talked to somebody that was kind of, like, from a different class of society that did things a little bit differently, I was like, let me see what this is about. So I guess my initial run-ins as a young teenager with like substances like smoking some weed was kind of like probably to try to fit in but i immediately enjoyed that feeling you know and i don't feel like i was addicted to it necessarily it just gave me like it gave me a creative outlook and it just kind of gave me a little bit of an escape from just having a hellacious life psychedelics probably came i think the first time i ever tripped i was like 16 okay at the time it was definitely like I think I was just trying to take a different step in the realm of like seeing what this would do, and it was fun. You know, it wasn't until what was it? What you do? Like, like that acid first time was acid. Or, yeah, okay, it was, acid, and yeah. I think it was that's actually, typically most people's like first thing they try. Maybe I guess it depends on where you. I mean, like I certainly grew up on a cow farm where everybody thought well, mushrooms, mushrooms grew yeah. at. Yeah, but, but, you, but, but you a lot of the know. new feeds they have they they make it so they can't grow. Them. Yeah. So I never really found any like that, and but it was it was pretty much. Let's say I did my first mushroom experience at like 20 okay. and I took a little bit too much and I was actually scared from that point. I didn't even want to do them anymore. So it took like, it was, what, it what, was, what, made, what scared you? Like you, you had like a dark trip or like what? Well, it was like, 
I was on my bachelor party. I got married too young one time. So that was like, I was, I was there with some buddies and we just took more than we probably, we didn't know what we were doing. We had too much, I think. And we just got into this weird repetitive loop where like, we, we were all in my hotel and like I was closing and opening this door over and over again and like my cousin was oh, just getting shit. up and so sitting was, down. Oh, so that was yeah. that kind well, that's, of, yeah. that's one of the things if anybody participates, like Amanitas, by the way, they can also, they can cause very repetitive. You have to have, they say you should have a sitter with these specifically because you can do things that are repetitive and if they're dangerous, you know, you have to watch out for that. So everything's not safe with psychedelics. You gotta, you gotta be careful. But for set for like nine years, I swore them off. And then right before, right around the pandemic, I did a, um, a hero's dose of mushrooms, which was uh, – that's what Terrence McKenna tells you to do. You do like five dry grams in a dark room. And that really got me on my fitness journey because it made me realize that I had been too lazy. Yeah. I had been like – it was like, hey, like you're a good man. Like, like the, the, the message I got was like you're a good person. You're a good man. And you kind of have your life together, but you're selling yourself short because you're just – you're just putting yourself on the back burner. You know, you know, like when you're just giving everybody else all of you. And so, like, I just kind of got a little, I got a little fat. I was a little out of shape, and I just wasn't in the best place mentally. Yeah. And so, whatever, I don't, I can't speak for everybody, but whatever it did was it, it took me and it just made me like get up the next day and say, hey, I'm gonna take better care of myself. And so, I won't speak on all of my experiences because some of them are a little more intimate, I guess, to myself. But they have at least made me more accountable to myself and aware of who I am as a person and that I'm special in this whole universe. And it doesn't have to be special, more special than someone. Right, right. I'm just special to me. And that's, that's kind of what I gathered from it. Yeah. Well, I think that's, I, I think it's something that, um, I have had minimal, minimal psychedelics. Have you ever done any, have you done, what, what have you done? So I have, man, this will be the first time I talk about it. It doesn't matter to me. Um, so I've done, um, some acid probably, I don't know. It's probably been, how old am I now? Thirty. Th- it's probably been fifteen years, man. Um, you know, a little bit there. Um, some, done some mushrooms, and I'm not even sure what they were. I'm sure they were psilocybin, but low dosage and nothing crazy. Um, some giggles and some slight hallucinations. Nothing, nothing. You know, nothing where I needed to lay down and actually get a full experience. Um, I'm, I'm entertaining the idea of, and we talked about this of, of doing the ayahuasca thing. Um, I just, man. I think I still have some kind of dark ass shit inside, like, and I'm just like the the, the ayahuasca thing kind of worries me that that shit may come out, like, but I know it won't. You know, it's just weird. Like, I don't but know. Maybe why. it will. Maybe that's think, a good thing. Well, I think. Well, I think that like, I feel great about everything in my life and everything, but I just I think that like when you when you change as a person, right, and you slowly grow, then you still feel like some of that old part still in there somewhere, lingering, wanting to come out, and I don't want it to come out in the wrong i don't know it's just fucking weird i've thought about it though it's just like people i guess i need to be ready to face that shit you just got to face that shit you know and that's that's going to make you face it i think that's true in a lot of ways i think i think one thing a lot of people get twisted up with this is that it's this party drug that you got to do at a music festival or something like that which which one the any kind of psychedelic a lot of people like a lot of people associate them with raves and people going to festivals and that's 
I think that's great for some people. That's I also not know, how I want to participate. Well, in not, but I know a lot of people that have freaked out in that way. But I also, from my experience, I think that it's a more personal, intimate experience. And I think that if you that if you think that there's some dark thing you're holding on to, or that there might be there, I don't think I, I don't have like a pronounced dark thing. But it's just like fuck, man. I used to be a motherfucker. You know what I mean? I'm not anymore, well, and, and I, I, I don't mean, want that person. I certainly to even, to even. I don't even want to talk to that person. You know what I mean? It's not even. It's not an afraid thing. It's more just like dismissal and don't want the motherfucker coming back in the room. You know what I mean? I hear that, and I think that I think that um, it definitely can bring. If there's something you should face, I think it can bring that out. Yeah, and I think that's good for everyone. I think everyone should face what they fucking need well, to face, or even what they're worried about facing. And when a lot of people say they have a bad trip, but they need to be ready to face it too. Well, yeah, and I, well, whether they are or aren't, I just think a lot of people when they when they they're worried about having a bad trip. Like yeah. for one, like you're probably going to come back from it. But some people, you know, they, there are people with schizophrenic pretend, you know, predispositions that probably should stay away from things like that. I'm not saying it's good for everyone, but I do think that some things need to be brought to light. Yeah. And it's a great medium for that. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, I'm. I, I mean, I think that you and more, man. You've, like I said, you've had you've had more experience in this than I have. But I think that um, in the mushroom thing, um, I would like uh, psilocybin experience that's uh, more controlled and dialed in. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would like – my thing is if I'm going to try anything, especially if something that's quote-unquote legal, you know what I mean? Something that I think is going to benefit me mentally because physically I'm, I've figured this shit out and I'm still working. I'm working on it every day, but I'm figured it out. But, like, if there's a way for me to become stronger mentally, I had the conversation with – um. Oh, and Kit Kapoor, he is, um, he's now, um, uh, an attorney, but he used to be NYC cop. And he was, we were talking about, you know, he, I don't know if we talked about this. We did talk about this. I was about to say before I said something on air, we did talk about this and he, he's like, man, I just came from back from it more respective of myself and others. You know what I mean? On, on the ayahuasca experience, he said it was fucking scary and people were shitting on themselves and throwing up on themselves, and it's fucking weird, but it's your body rejecting what its own fucking truth. Really. If you think about it and, and is, um, hmm. At the end of the day, you got to come in tune with that. I definitely think. Okay, I think this. I think that tripping is a really crazy experience, but I think it's a, like in the right environment. I think it's a lot more chill than what people like. Yeah, you, like in an ayahuasca experience, you might see somebody throwing up or shitting themselves. Yeah, but maybe they need to. Like, I'm not, that's like, what like, I'm saying. Like, maybe I mean, maybe that person needed a little the, humiliation. Like, like I'm not saying that humiliation is good either, but I'm just yeah. saying that in the right environment, I've never heard someone say like. Damn, I wish I hadn't done well, that. Well, you're doing it. Me either. Me like, either, In the right? wrong environment, I myself have said, fuck, I wish I had not have done that. Right. You there's know what I'm times, saying? Well, there's times I've drank. I shouldn't have fucking been You know, there's exactly. times. Yeah, exactly. Like, so, like, but I think that. If you look at it from that that lens, too, it's a lot easier. Like, like it's easy to say, oh, well, like, I threw up. Like, dude, how many times have you thrown up from drinking? You know what I'm saying? The like, thing like, is, like, but also you're doing it for your mind, not for your body. So exactly. if your body has a little bit of distress for a minute, for your mind to become a little more like I'll have a little more fortitude then why not you know what I mean well and like it's literally something that's been growing on our planet since before we were yeah so like who are you like I'm not saying like obviously there's things that grow here that kill you too so I'm not saying you should eat every mushroom no. but I will say that it's good for some people and like it's I, I'm certainly not the kind of person that likes to press it on people that aren't ready either but I do think a lot of people I think a lot of people could benefit from it if they approached it from more of a therapeutic aspect versus like, let me go get fucked up. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, I mean, I definitely my insight and like, well, and, I'll say that my my curiosity and focus on this is all from a therapeutic standpoint, well, not for not for recreational. A lot of people, lot of people don't know they're doing a huge psilocybin research 
fucking program right here in Shreveport yeah. right now. When I'm oh, really? about, yeah, dude, they have a, like it, LSUS. Like they might be done with it technically now, but they have like one of the biggest psilocybin research programs in the whole country was just done there. Holy shit! Yeah, man, they had. They, I, well, I know one of the doctors. I'm not going to say the name just because I right. don't know if that's something they want mentioned. But there's 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 a couple of different doctors, and they've they've had actual. Well, well we're close to military base too, so I don't know if they couldn't give me this kind of information. I think they've been using like PTSD sufferers from like Barksdale. Well, that's, that's another thing that that's another thing that um has been proven to be beneficial, right? But we're they're still working on those things because. Well, and that's for me personally, like. I didn't know that I suffered from PTSD. Like, I started seeing a therapist a few years ago. Well, okay, so you, how did this come about? PTSD for me, like, I didn't serve in the military or anything like right. that, but... It can come from all different directions. Well, my, my very first memory was almost drowning to death. Okay. So, like, I, my first memory was, like, literally being in the bottom of a pond and, like, seeing the, the bright light from the, the surface and some guy just pulled me out and, like, resuscitated me. Are you just too young and went in there to swim or what? Well, no. Well, my parents were fishing at this big ass pond, and they left me sleeping on the back of this truck. But the truck was parked on a dam, so I woke up. I roll off of the bed of the truck, and then I roll into the deepest part of the pond where Shit. the dam is. Yeah. And the, the they were fishing on some other guy's land, and he just happened to be. He had like a big two story house, and he just happened to be, you know, probably stretching on the balcony. And he saw me roll in the water, so he literally like jumped off of his second story balcony and like ran and like saved me. And your parents just, they, I guess they figured it out once the commotion was Well, over. I think they saw him. I mean, I, I, don't, I was too young to, all I remember is just being pulled out of the water and like, see it. Like, it was literally like going to the light. It was really a crazy first, because I remember it, but I don't remember like, you know, it wasn't like were you? two. And you remember that. So yeah, I don't yeah. Have any, so, yeah I, don't, so, I vaguely have memories of four. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't, I don't remember when, I think when you have traumatic experiences, you have, because like after that, my, my next memory is probably about three. So, yeah. like, it wasn't like I remembered everything from them, but I just remember that. And I don't remember, words or why they were doing what i just remember that happening and you know not having the best childhood and home environment like when you don't know what your dad's gonna do or what you know if your parents are you know when you're always the the thing about ptsd is that and i didn't i didn't know that i suffered from it until i got told that by a therapist but it's like you're so used to things being fucked up around you that you're you're, you're ready for you're, you're ready. Well, well, I can only imagine a guy that's like ready for a bomb to go off around the corner. You're, react, you're in a reactive position. Yeah, I'm just worried about my dad to fucking you know bitch slap somebody around yeah. the corner. So once I started, once I really started like using them for like a medicine and doing some higher doses, it really like like kind of helped me reset a little bit. It just made me more at ease and like like there's a lot of social environments I used to be a lot more like alert in where. It was just a normal environment, but my wiring in my brain had told me like, "Hey, you need to be worried about this, 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 yep. and this." So, I don't know what it does specifically for soldiers in that way, but I know in my own experience, it's just made me able to deal with normal life in a way that used to put me in a lot more stressful uh, chemical situation internally, and now it's a little more even keel. Yeah, I think that um, I think it's something that. Obviously, it's very effective, and we're still like trying to figure out as yes. a society and figure out how to govern this shit and distribute it and everything. But um, I do at the same time. I think people use anxiety as a crutch too. Like I think that there's a there's a fine line between having something wrong and just not wanting to fucking experience life at all. You know what I mean? Well, and I think we give people those like, okay, so like. What have we? What have we done? As we gotten better with technology, what have we done? We made ourselves more soft, right? Like we've, well, we made ourselves we got, more vulnerable, well, well, physically. Well, yeah, but we've but we've like we have better beds. We got better. We got right, right. Uh, climate control. Right, right. All these things. So like, for me now, a cold plunge is hardcore. But one of the like like if you lived in a normal environment without any 
climate control, you wouldn't want to lay in bed because you would die. You would have to you get up in the morning. Yeah, you wouldn't know. Like if you were in a, if say you were just in a sub-zero cold like uh, climate and you were it lived in thirty degrees all the time, you wouldn't know that you were cold or hot because that's the fucking temperature experience all exactly. the time. You know what I mean? Based on the season, I guess. But still, like, so it is interesting. Yeah, we we definitely have become more. Um, we just more come easily penetrated man like really like from every single angle mentally physically like it's just that tell old tale of you know as the, the less you do the softer you become kind of fucking thing you know well and i i used to not really i didn't for one i didn't know how hardcore i guess my life was as a kid to understand like when i get older like oh i've still got to push myself because this goes away yeah but then we also, say we we say hardcore but really in some other culture, that ain't shit. You know, no, it's no, like, for weird. Sure. It's well, no, weird. For sure. It's weird but, to like to... Well, no, but that, and also, like, even if you grew up much softer than me, like, the hardest thing you ever did is the still the hardest thing you, thing you ever yep. did. Yep. So, like, I just hope that, I guess, and I think that's one of the things psychedelics do in a way, like, it does, there is a moment, depending on how hard you're tripping, to where you might go to a place where you're like, damn, is this, like, am I ever even going to come back to reality? And it's a little scary. I felt that before, like... I won't do any fucking edibles no more, dude. Every time I do edibles, I go too hard. The only time I haven't is when I've got like a tart. The tarts seem to be a little more even keel than the fucking gummies. Every time, even chocolates. I Every time you're like, okay, I'm going to wait 45 minutes, an hour, and then it doesn't hit. And then you eat a little bit more. And every fucking time, dude, it hits me. And when it hits me, it gives me weird-ass fucking... That's why... I, I've had I've had experience. I don't even think I've ever talked about it on here. I've had experiences where I had dark ass fucking thoughts, and it scared the fuck out of me. Like, why am I even having these weird thoughts? Not that I was going to act on those thoughts, but I was just that they were even in my consciousness, and I was having them. And I was like, that made me not stray away from even trying to do psychedelic. But I know it's a completely different realm. Well, but, but maybe, but maybe, maybe you do like so. Like, we all have a dark and a light side. I think, and there's this more Eastern like belief. That's like, okay, there's like this muse going, kind of like with an artistic muse. So, like, there's many thoughts that come through my head today. If I were to act on every single one of them, right. I would not be probably a good – like, there's many thoughts that you have. and nobody, Everybody can say what they want, but there's, there's things that sometimes I'll even think of randomly that I don't want to do, but they're just bad. Yeah. And it's like, why did I even fucking think of that? Yeah. So I'm not saying it's exactly the same for you, but I, I do think that sometimes letting that out – and I, I think what psychedelics can do is sometimes let some of that darkness out. Yeah. In in a way where it's just you and yourself, and not you versus somebody you didn't mean for it to come out on. Yeah, it wasn't even a, it wasn't it was a me and myself thing. It wasn't a me and someone else thing. But still, like it's happened multiple times, and but it's never happened when I smoked. Right? It's just when I've ingested, like you know. Well, edibles can be quite psychedelic, man. Like yeah. I, uh, I'm a little jealous. For but that. but the thing but the thing is, is, like I felt better afterwards, but during it freaked me the fuck out. Like, I was laying there like, I should be sleeping right now. I'm not. Why the fuck am I is thinking it, these Isn't it things? weird? It feels like a good workout sometimes after one of those fuck, kind of dude, trips. It's like, it's like dude, when you get on the other the side. Day, yeah. The next day, I was like, a friend of mine had taken them too. And they were like, yeah, I'm still fiddling hungover. But it wasn't even a hungover. It's just like I feel like I was taken away from reality for a fucking good eight to ten hours. You know what I mean? Like, I was taken away from all the noise. And then bringing me back to all the fucking noise took a while. But yeah, dude, it, it's definitely interesting. I, I'm 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 very fucking interested in it. I just I'm baby stepping back into that pool, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, man, maybe we'll uh, we'll figure out what the real Christmas spirit is about this year. Oh shit. Okay. <laughs> well, look, let's end this on this. Um. So.
talk about uh, anybody want to find you on anything. You're doing some comedy stuff. How, what, what's that looking like? So my comedy stuff's pretty up and down. It's like I do mostly open mics right now, or exclusively open mics. So it's it's pretty much mostly in Dallas. I okay. do hit the LOL uh, Laugh Out Loud Comedy Club here down downtown Shreveport. Yeah. Uh, whenever I'm in town, they do an open mic every Thursday night, and then they have shows on uh, Fridays and during the weekends too. If anyone wants to catch that out or check that out, uh, the Tiki Bar is doing some open mic stuff now, as well as a few comedy acts, and then the uh, Seventh Tap locally is also ch- doing that. Um, if anybody's in Dallas, uh, sometimes I'm at the Dallas Comedy Club. Um, there's also one. Um, there, there's several spread out over Dallas. Uh, Sorry, I'm just drawing a blank on the other name. But at <laughs> any rate, what uh, location? We're at now. Uh, That'll help. Yeah, grape. I'm doing something grapevine. Um, there, there's a new one I'm supposed to check out uh, uh, whenever we get out of the Christmas break. That's in Plano. Um, and uh, have you done the one in Highland Park yet? What there's one in Highland Park. Um, I remember the name of it, but me and my wife went there. Probably it was like, dude, fresh, fresh out of COVID. Great, great little club. Oh man, I can't. It's in the same. It's in like in this little shopping center, like two store shopping center area. I can't. It's in Highland Park, though. Well, I can't think of that. But look, if yeah. you, if you need to get out of jail, you can find us uh, <laughs> fast AF bail bonds uh, on the. You can Google us five two five five four two four on the phone. And uh, if you want to find me on Instagram, it's Stay Trippy eighty seven thirty two. Nice. All right, let's wrap it, bro. I enjoyed it, sir. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me.